Right, so I've said my name's Sarah, and today is the is the twenty first Monday, twenty first yeah. of September, um, and this interview is taking place via Zoom. So just to start with, John, can you can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Yes, yes Grant. Um, just to start with, are you able to just tell me your name and the year that you were born? John McCaig, nineteen forty seven. Thank you. And can you tell me where did you grow up, John? I grew up um, in a part of Dumfries and Galloway called Borg. B-O-R-G-U-E. Yeah. Okay. Not many yeah. people have heard of it, I'm sure. Yeah. Where, where's that near? Um, do you know where Dumfries is? Yeah. Do you know where Kukubri is? Yeah. Well, it's quite close to Kukubri. It's just ah. outside Kukubri, about five or six miles from Kukubri. I know where you are. Along the coast. Yes, there's a little beach there. Yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a, a, I mean, if you follow that coast road out, you'll come through the village of Borg. We stayed on the other side, on the gatehouse side of Borg, just outside. My dad worked on a farm there. Okay. It's a it's a lovely area that beautiful and we go yeah. back quite a lot just to visit. Yeah, great. And John, I know a, a bit about um, you know where you've worked from Ailey, but are you able to uh, just to say what your background is and how you came to to do the job that you were doing? Right. Okay. I mean, I I, I left school at fifteen at, at, uh, from from Kirkcaldy Academy. Worked on a farm there for, with my dad for nine years. Um, didn't find it very challenging, so um, left the area, got married, and in 1974 I joined the business service at, at Berlini, and that was my that was my main career. I stayed in the prison service until 2009, and uh, retired, went to work with the prisons department in Turkey for six months, and came back from that and became a member of the parole board for Scotland for seven years and then retired after that. So during my time in the prison service, I worked in Berlini uh, with was a, a local prison but took all kinds of prisoners, then got promoted and went to Dumfries and did... Five fifty eighty two eighty five years and Dumfries got promoted again and then went to an open prison at Penningham near Newton Stewart. It's closed now. Um was only there a short time when I got the opportunity to apply to be a tutor, a staff trainer, and went to work at the staff college for a short time and then I got promoted again into to, to train as a governor um, and uh, was was posted back to Berlin as a governor under training, then got posted to Schott's Prison, um, which is takes long-term adult male prisoners. I was there for about four years. I got promoted while I was there and um, remained there. I got promoted in situ and then I was asked to go to Greenock, as deputy governor, um, and had I think four years there, 
and got promoted again and went to Poland as deputy governor. And then I was asked to go to back to Berlin as deputy governor again. Was there for about, I think, three years. And then I was asked to go and be deputy chief inspector of prisons. And that was my last job before I left the prison service. I was on secondment to there. So, so I found a fairly varied and, I would have to say, interesting and enjoyable career I had. Um, and uh, in, the, in the latter, um, from my Greenock days onward, um, through necessity, I became very interested in suicide prevention, mental health, um, was on the Prison Services National Suicide Prevention Group, uh, and also helped to develop uh, multidisciplinary uh, mental health teams, and in fact did that for for uh, for Berlini when I was there. Um, and it was it was quite it was quite a challenge because Berlin is a huge prison. Eh? I mean, huge turnover, loads of problems. But what drove me to take the interest in it? We had, I mean, I was at Greenock in, I think, 84, I went to Greenock, and the drugs issue in Inverclyde was just starting to pick up. So we had huge issues with people with drug problems, and, of course, with drug problems comes all the other problems, um, mental health problems, and we had a significant number of suicides. So we were... We were trying really hard to develop strategies to to combat that. We didn't have an effective drug support strategy in the prison service at that time. I mean, people were just basically cold turkey. Now, cold turkey off, off, because some of them were in methadone in the community, was absolutely horrendous for them, you know. So um, we set up a prisoner listener scheme um, while I was at... Um, well, it was at Greenock. Um, I think we were the second prison in Scotland to have a listener's in Edinburgh, or the first. And the governor I had at that time had been the deputy governor at Edinburgh when they set it up. They introduced it from, <coughs> from I think, uh, the English prison service. Um, and I, I take it you know what a listener scheme is. It's um, it's training prisoners to, to support fellow prisoners. Um, and that was... To give you a kind of contextual context for it, <clears throat> it was hugely challenging to introduce because it was quite culturally different. I mean, we're talking about um, training prisoners to support fellow prisoners in a confidential manner. So, if you if you think about a prison, runs on on intelligence information, the very thought of Prisoners having information that the staff couldn't get was just anathema. So really, really hard work to get it to get it to work. But what get it to work we did. And when I went to Polmont, we introduced it um, at Polmont with young offenders, which was, you know, I, I was told it would never work. You know, we did actually make it work, you know. Um, and then I... I was involved in kind of re-energising it at, at, at Berlini and, and we introduced the multidisciplinary mental health teams there and we introduced 
um, a alternative support strategies, which was a huge challenge in Berlin, a huge, huge challenge. And it was there that I first came across Isabel McHugh um, and Theatre Nemo and dismissed them the first time I met them, said I didn't want anything to do with them. And um, Isabel being Isabel was not easily put off and come up with funding that I had to accept. And there started a fantastic relationship with Theatre Nemo and I saw what they could do to support to support prisoners with with difficulties, you know. So so that's kind of the background and where my interest came from. Thanks, John. It sounds like um, a huge contrast from where you started off on the farm to yeah, what absolutely. you just described there. But do you know, do you know I, I often think about that, you know, I often think about it. And, you know, I, I, worked, I, I worked mostly with animals on the farm. I, 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 um, I, was, I milked the cows, you know. And, you know, you had to care for animals, you had to care for the 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 cows, the calves, the sheep, you had to care for them and they couldn't talk to you. And and I just often related it to to working in the prison service where you really had to care for people um as well as as well as control them and 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 at least you could have some communication with the people in the prison, you know. Um and and I I actually quite enjoyed it. I mean I'm not I mean don't don't think I've got a a rose tinted view of what life in the prison service was. It was an incredibly stressful and challenging job, um, particularly as you as you got into more senior posts. You had you had the challenge of managing staff and managing prisoners. You know, and you know you you weren't always making the decisions that suited everybody. You know so. Anyway, that's where we got to, and it was good. Okay. So you, you talked a wee bit there about um, when you first came across, um, is it Theatre Nemo? Theatre Nemo, yes, yes. And you you felt like it wasn't going to be something that was, um, you know, that would would benefit, perhaps. Well, Can you, um, can you talk yeah. a wee bit about why yes. you... You felt that initially. Um, I mean, I was I was brought into the prison service in an era where um, it was a very closed environment. I mean, it became more open as the years went on, but there was a lot of people wanted to get access to the prisons, um, not always for the right reasons, and I didn't. I'd never heard of. Isabella Theatre anymore. So I wasn't sure if she was one of these kind of crazy leftists that just wanted to get in and, and um, disrupt the place, if you like, you know. Um, so I was, I was, I was suspicious of. I was always suspicious of people wanting to come in and and do something that wasn't how should we say wasn't evidence based. Hmm. I mean. What Theatre Nemo was doing wasn't evidence-based. It was very much, you know, um, experienced, but not 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 based on on evidence. So that was why why I initially rejected the notion of. I thought, what can 
I could drum and do to help people or what can you know. But I can I can always remember after and this is one of these kind of road to Damascus moments, you know what I mean? Um she came back in and and we were forced to agree to you know, she'd come with the money and I couldn't use the money as an excuse to reject her again. And she got a group of prisoners working. She, I mean, there was Hugh and I, I can't remember the other guy that used to come in. But yeah, they came in and they worked with prisoners and they did a play. And I, I, I went to that play in the chapel and I will never, ever forget it. It was, how should I say it? I saw it transforming people. Um, and, you know, we had... We had visitors in to see it as well and eventually we were getting prisoners' families to come in and see them and just to see what it did for people's self-esteem because they were telling a story and they were telling a story that that do you know what you would need to be really callous not to not to listen to the story you know um, about about how life had treated them how they got where they were but when that was passed and and the 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 feeling of well-being of having achieved something was was really amazing you know just and it was i have to say to you it was nothing it was nothing um what you would say you would put on at the the theater royal in glasgow or whatever but nonetheless it was the first time that these people had done anything so it gave them a great sense of achievement, you know. I mean, it was like when we trained the young offenders to be listeners, they would be, and I say young offenders, they were the older young offenders that would be maybe 19, 20, more mature. But we had a presentation evening when we handed over the certificates um, and we invited their parents to come to that evening. And just to see the pride that they're, kids had done something, you know what I mean, that, that was worthwhile and they were going to be doing something really worthwhile. And it's about this, you know, um, giving, giving people the opportunity to show that they can do something. I mean, it was like when we, when we introduced the listeners came to Greenock, it didn't work properly to start with. It wasn't working. So, we arranged um, a conference between the listeners and the staff, and uh, we ran that over a Friday afternoon and a Saturday morning to thrash out the problems. And I remember saying to the then governor and to the, the two ladies who were in from the Samaritans, if I had... If somebody had told me in 1974 or 75 that one day I would be sitting down with staff and prisoners trying to work out how to run a prison, I would have been laughed at. I would have been absolutely laughed at, you know. And it was about us moving moving that culture on. Um, and it was, you know, it's. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not going to suggest that it wasn't without its problems. I mean... Prisoners are prisoners and, and they get up to things sometimes that they shouldn't have got up to and we had to take, take them off. But, you know, I used to meet regularly with the listeners in Berlin. Um, I, had a, I had a listener coordinator, but I used to go and meet with them maybe once a month just to talk through the problems. 
And, you know, we had got to a stage with the Berlini ones where they were telling us if the other, some of the other listeners were doing things that they shouldn't have been doing, you know, um, which I thought was a, was a great step forward, you know. Um, but, you know, to, to give you a contrast, in when I joined the prison service in 74, part of Berlini, but separate from the main... Berlini Prison was the Berlini Special Unit, which was at its time completely and utterly revolutionary. And it was roundly detested by everybody in Berlini because it was culturally totally different. I mean, staff and prisoners called each other by their first name, which was unheard of at the time. And they used um, the, the arts in, in the special unit in the 70s. Now, they were, that was the first I had heard of anything like that happening. And, and of course, the special unit um, closed down and, and, and a unit was opened up in shots that was a different kind of unit. It was, it was not the, uh, you know, the kind of, uh, how would I say, the kind of supportive, open kind of unit that, that the Berlini one was, you know, like wasn't run on therapeutic grounds like like the, the Berlini one was. Um, but the, the problem happened in Berlini that there was, the, the regime was allowed to drift to an, a, a point where it was becoming an embarrassment, you know, so they had to close it, to, to pull it back. But they were the very early people that I saw using using the arts in, in the prison. So just going back to what you're saying about the special unit, John, I think, you know, there's been quite a lot documented about the mm-hmm. special mm-hmm. unit and, and um, you know, Jimmy Boyle and yeah. his, his arts. Um, Joyce Lang, she was Yes, the, yes, the she was the art therapist, here. that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, just you know, at that time, you're saying it was it was a very revolutionary thing. Can you you talk a wee bit more about that? About what the reaction was to you know staff and prisoners? How many prisoners were there in the special unit? In, in the special unit, there were there were I think six prisoners in the special unit. Six. I mean, there were six of probably the most difficult prisoners from the mainstream. And and it was built on this, you know, on, on therapeutic lines. There was there was a, a a mix of psychology, psychiatry, nursing staff, and discipline staff. Now I I didn't work in the unit. I mean, I, I went in for for a week to see what it was like, and uh, because it, it was it was it was staffed by volunteers, and that you could not be posted into the special unit you had to volunteer to go in, you know, um, and you were allowed to go in for a week to see if you, if this was something that you could, you could cope with or not, or, or if it was, you know, if you thought you could make a, a contribution to it. Um, I mean, I, I decided after I had been in for a week at that time that it wasn't just, it wasn't for me at that time, you know. But, um, I mean, it was, it worked in terms of, I would say that was more about um, not so much the mental health. I suppose loosely you could tie it to mental health, but it was definitely tied to self-esteem 
people then started to develop. You mentioned Jimmy Boyle, Huey Collins. Um, he was in there. He he um, uh, showed a a a, a, a skill and 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 sculpting and and art as well. And other people found other skills. I mean, they did other craft work and and whatever. And it was about, it was built on treating everybody else with respect. Now, they didn't have the same disciplinary measures that uh, we would have had in, in, in the main prison and in prisons in general. They had, they had a community. They, they sat down as a community and thrashed out the problems, you know. And prisoners would, would um, take issue with the staff just the same as the staff would take issue with the prisoners. Now, I would suggest to you that the prison service hasn't quite come to that level, but it's come a heck of a lot closer in, in the years that evolved. We then started having um, groups, uh, you know, uh, prisoner representative groups that they would talk about um, the catering, the recreation, the health service, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, and I think it set some of the groundwork and we became, although it took us a long time to do it, we became less reluctant to look at other avenues to help us develop business, you know, like um, like your theatre nemos, like the Cartier Theatre Group. Um, lots of, I mean, we would get, people would come in and do music groups and, and it became that if they could, if you could channel their energies into something a bit more creative, um, you were helping to a get rid of the frustration that they had, but also help to get a slightly better run in prison. You know what I mean? Because let's be honest, a prison runs with the cooperation of the prisoners because they largely outnumber the staff by about ten to one. So you know you need you can't just say well we're in charge here you're in charge because you you have to have the cooperation of the prisoners to be in charge you know that might sound bizarre but I can assure you that's that's how it works you know yeah so I can the, understand that so you you spoke a wee bit there about how the arts and and some of the different mm -hmm. projects that were happening was changing some of the behaviour of the, of the prisoners and it was decreasing the frustration. Was there any mm -hmm. other ways in which, you know, you were implying there that it was maybe a, things were a bit smoother maybe when they were engaging with creative activities? Was there any other results that you were seeing? I mean, I'll, 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 there was something just springs to mind there. This was after after I had left Berlin to go to the inspectorate. I remember going back to Berlin. I had asked back by somebody, I don't know who it was. The, the theatre name was putting on a, another performance, which I went to, and I was talking to the staff, and there was one prisoner taking part in this, um, and I thought this was really, really significant. They couldn't get this guy to come out from behind his door. He just would not come out. He wouldn't mix. He wouldn't socialise. And there they had him out, um, a performing, working in a group. You know, now even just to get one one small one small change like that, 
is is really worth the effort. You know what I mean? Um, because we had a we had a, a unit in Berlin. It was a um, a unit for um, people with mental health problems, vulner, very vulnerable prisoners, and we weren't really doing anything much with them. We were just putting them in there. I mean, Berlin is like a factory. It needs to run to timetables every day because, because of the numbers that are in it. I mean, you really need to have breakfast needs to be at this time, methadone clinic needs to be at this time, and so on. So if somebody's disruptive in a hall of 200 prisoners or over 200 prisoners, the place just grinds to a halt. So they had this smaller unit of about 50 prisoners in D Hall who were very vulnerable, significant mental health problems, um, significant behavioural problems. Now, they would often be um, wrecking their cells, um, blocking the toilets, flooding their cells, banging their doors, shouting. And we, we tried to, we opened up a, a daycare facility um, where people like that would go to a different unit and you would have theatre Nemo in there, you would have, I can't remember the other people, it was, there was a various external groups come in and did various things. I mean, I can remember when they introduced um, a massage therapy. I mean, the, the newspapers had a field day because this is what you're fighting against, eh? Um, about we're getting, I mean, it was all this, you, you know, they were trying to link it to um, massage parlours in the community. And there was nothing like that. It was, it was almost like, what do they call it, where they, they massage your feet or, you know. And it's just about relaxation techniques. Now, if people are, are uptight, they've not got anybody they communicate with, if that's somebody they can communicate with, that's great. And the Taiku Drummond, despite what I said about it to start with, actually worked quite well. You know, they used to go up and then they would... And, and the big thing was they do their performance. You know, and this was a big thing for them to get. Same with the music projects. Um, if they were, you know, they would they would have somebody come in and they would maybe write some songs on, and perform them. And then, and then they would perform them to the prisoners. And and the and, and and their families and the and the reaction that was coming from that, it was this was about building up their self-esteem, building up their confidence, giving them alternative things to get engaged in rather than sitting in their cells, letting their mental health get worse and worse and worse, you know. So whilst not everything is directly linked to improved mental health, self-esteem adds to improved mental health and well-being and and whatever, you know. Um, and of course, the, I, I think as the years as, as the years went on when I was in, mental health became worse because of the, it was, you know, it was linked to the, the drugs issue, you know, and people had issues, so they would they would be um taking drugs to mask abuse and you know how it is and that affects their mental health. And and then of course they get so tied up in the drugs when they start to come out of the drugs and clear our thinking, they start to thinking, what's in, what, what's my life about? And and I'll just commit suicide, you know. Um, and that was that was tough. That, that was a tough few years, you know. And I think it's going back a wee bit now, I have to say. I think 
I think the way the way things are just now, it's it's kind of going back. Suicides become more prevalent, um, and you know, as as it's not so bad just now, but there went through a period a couple of years ago where the numbers rocketed. You know, so if the numbers go up, the staff don't have the time uh, to deal with the staff. I mean, my the former chief inspector of prisons, Andrew McClellan, used to talk about the ten evils of overcrowding. You know, which was um, prisoners didn't get out of their cells as often as they should. They didn't get a PT. They couldn't get go anywhere. Staff didn't have time to deal with them individually. You know, because prisoners can be really um, high maintenance. You know, if they've got loads of issues, but if you've got if you're on if you're on a gallery way. 80 or 90 prisoners and maybe there's only three staff you don't have a lot of time to spend um, supporting somebody and this is this is therein lies the problem sometimes so you need these other you need these other uh, groups to help you know give them give them an interest and maybe just listen just because staff don't don't have time to listen you know they just do not have time to listen you know and it's it's a tough job, you know. It's it sounds extremely challenging, John. And it's really interesting, you know, just hearing hearing those different perspectives mm. and the different challenges that you had. You know, it sounds incredibly um, difficult. Just that public perception of oh. of prison and mm. what you know prisoners maybe you know they they were interpreting prison should be about punishment but obviously you know clearly you're you're um looking much more at rehabilitation and mm. and that care and compassion that you you mm-hmm. have it really is really coming across um i'm just wondering a wee bit more about the um actually you know specific projects that you were doing so you'd mentioned a drumming yeah, the, ta- the, ta- the taiko uh-huh. drumming, that was, that was theatre Nemo that used to do that. You know? uh-huh. How, can you explain a wee bit about that project and, and how they, you know, initiated it? Did they discuss projects with the prisoners? Did they yes. come in yes. and, and uh-huh. they would, I mean, uh, whatever it was that theatre Nemo was doing, it was, they, they, they led the project, but the prisoners did the input, you know. So they would, I mean, if it was a, a play they were doing, um, they would they would try and write the play, you know, and use the skills of the theatre name of people to, to kind of polish it up. And it was the same with the drumming, you know. Um, probably they had never done anything like that before, so they would, they would get together. And do you know what? Even if it was only getting rid of their frustration, battering a big drum... It was better than battering somebody else, you know. Um, but they saw something at the end of the day. It was that, that but working towards that performance, working as a group, sharing ideas, solving problems, um, you know. And, and it was all the kind of skills that we all take for granted, eh, that, that they, they probably never got the opportunity to develop, you know. And now I know that some of the people... When, when they left the prison, and Theatre Nima tried to link up with them in the community and take them to their, their workshop down at the the you know, 
um, and they would they would go in and do what they're there. They they have a choir that was running from there as well, you know. So they would try and like because it was, you know, there people like that 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 are in and out of prison. Um, maybe got loads of you know personal challenges. They never get the the opportunity to. They don't link in with services that we would normally that we would take for granted. They wouldn't go looking for them. Um, they would just go back to whatever it was they were doing to mask the problems that they had, you know. And and I thought that kind of follow through. And of course, that that was then built on, and it, and it, it kind of stopped um, about a year ago because there was a problem with money. But um, we at one point we actually, as part of the what was the Scottish government? I can't. Um, Scottish government had a, a a suicide prevention strategy, a ten-year suicide pre- choose life, choose life. It was called. So we linked into that, and we linked in with now this. This is after two thousand, right enough. But we linked in with um, Glasgow City Council, um, and we got money to get train ex-prisoners to um, meet up with prisoners leaving prison and take them to, you know, their housing, their first doctor's appointment, that, you know, that, that kind of thing, get them to their first methadone clinic, try and get them past the drug dealer at the bottom of the drive. And we had money for that for about, I don't know, I think it was about three or four years. It was done through the WISE group. I don't know if you've heard of the WISE group. Um, they have facilities in the east end of Glasgow. And that was a that was again a huge cultural uh, difference. Uh, ex ex offenders coming back into support, but they had walked the walk, so so they could do it. You know, they, it was sort of like me saying, "This is what you need to do." But if a prisoner who has walked that way can say, "Well, this is this is," I know what the challenges are. I don't know what the challenges are. I just think I know what they are. You know, mm-hmm. um, so you know, just giving the people the skills. And, and again, that builds up the self-esteem, um, the self-confidence, the field of doing something worthwhile, you know. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds fascinating. That I hadn't realised that, that, that there'd been the oh, project you know, yeah, 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 prison yeah, and then following yeah. it uh-huh, uh-huh. into community when they'd left prison. That sounds, you know, just something that would be so, so worthwhile because I, I can imagine just the amount of prisoners that are are going reoffending and going back and oh, just not well, having those yeah within within some things. of them within a week they're back in you know mm-hmm. if they've got nothing on the outside at least they're warm and, yeah. and being fed and, and getting their their um, medical attention in, yeah. in the prison you know yeah and do you know if these projects are still happening John I, I don't think that one is still happening no they, they actually moved that on to they had some prisons were running an experiment um, with staff supporting them in the community, but these staff were withdrawing about 18 months, two years ago, when there were staff shortages. They needed them back in the prison, so it just it just fell through, you know. Um, so no, it's not it's not continuing. Well, it's not continuing as far as I know. I don't I don't know. It's a shame. 
What about the the arts and creativity in within the prisons? Is that still? I don't know. I mean, I know. I, I mean, I know that um, a, a colleague of mine who was the was the governor at Berlin for a while after I left. Um, Eric linked in with the arts. He had a lot of stuff. He had David Heyman used to come in and and do work with offenders in Berlin. In fact, I had I had gone in a couple of times to see so they had like a um like an arts week, you know. Um a bit like the Edinburgh Festival, you know what I mean? They would have different things coming in. Um I'm actually not sure. Well obviously there's nothing like that going on just now because mm. of the restrictions that's going on, you know. Um but he did Derek did a lot of work like that uh, much, much to the chagrin of some of his, some of his other governor colleagues. But nonetheless, um, you know, it was like I was saying about um, the work that Theatre Nemo was doing. This, this was work that people really threw themselves into. What were doing really well, um, and and you know what? It does maybe not totally, but it does help to modify their behaviour and the business well because it gives them something to look forward to you know yeah because a lot of the disruption is because they don't have anything to look forward to they, they get frustrated and just take their frustration out on on property or people or whatever so yeah I mean it was it was going on and in fact it was I mean a number of the prisons were were um, using it especially music music was very popular to you know um, in fact, I saw a thing in the Sunday Post, uh, was it last week or the week before? Um, somebody, Jill, somebody, I can't remember her name. She worked with STV, I think, at one time. She was she was trying to get a record label um, for prisoners. You know, she had done some work in Berlin and, um, I mean, obviously just now it's not easy to get, to get in to do anything. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, Culturally, um, the prison service is more open to that kind of thing now. I mean, in in the middle to late 70s, prisons were closed, very much closed establishments. Um, people didn't get in and people didn't get out. You know, and you weren't allowed to talk about what was going on in the place. And, um, and, and they become... As the years went on, the, the, the thinking shifted a bit. But it takes a while, you know, it, it takes a while to change the culture of, a, of, of an organisation. And it's still a very controlling organisation, but not nearly as bad as it used to be. I mean, when, you, when I think about how we used to deal with people who were suicidal at one time, we would lock them away in cells with a canvas gown on, you know, I mean, what's more humiliating than that? You know, um, it was just it was just awful. You know, rather than try and do something to to lift their spirits, to um, to to help their self esteem, give them something to live for, it was it was absolutely awful. You know, um, and I mean, I can remember the days of of the aldehyde when. When um, people were misbehaving, you know. Now, all, thankfully, all that's stopped now, you know. But that was the kind of culture at the time—a very 
controlling culture? Not, not at all. Despite what the advert said, I mean, I, I can remember in my early days if people were seen to be spending too much time talking to their prisoner, um, they were pulled up and told, what, um, are you trafficking or are they controlling you or whatever, you know. It's, but I, that, that changed, sorry. Yeah. No, just thinking um, another thing that may have brought about that change in in culture and thinking um, would be the health service being involved more as well and, and therapies like art therapy, uh-huh, not uh-huh. therapy. Would that, did, do you feel like that? that I, th- I mean, I think... Um, <laughs> There was, there was a big, I mean, I, it was in the 80s, I think, that the health service started to change. It used to be that it was prison officers that went away and trained as, as nurses. Now, I'm, I'm not saying they weren't the caring people, but we brought in, in, in the 80s, nurses who were essentially nurses to come and work in a, a prison environment, and they had a totally totally different culture um, and that culture took a wee while to settle down I mean they looked upon prisoners as patients um, they were um, they had a whole different kind of caring ethos they brought that kind of more caring ethos in and that, I think that was the kind of start of of the culture changing a bit you know um, because prior to that, nurses were essentially prison officers that had a few extra skills that could dish out codines. We used to call them codine commandos. Eh? It was, that was the joke, you know. Um, but it was, they were essentially prison officers. Um, now, the new nurses that come in didn't wear nurses' uniform. They were, you know, and it, it was totally different, which was good. It really was good. Um, and, and, things kind of started to develop. We got better, better kind of care after that. And then people started... I mean, the prison service, like every other big organisation, will will react to pressure as well. And the pressures of the suicides um, caused them to rethink their suicide strategy um, and make it a more um, kind of caring um, and moved it away from the doctor decides whether there's strict suicidal observations or not and put the responsibility onto onto the discipline staff who knew the prisoner best, you know. Um, and, and I thought the act to care strategy when it was brought out first, um, we did a we did an update on that when when I was on the suicide risk management the National Suicide Risk Management Group. But the first version of that that came out was really good, really really revolutionary, you know. Um, And and again, built on that kind of changing culture, you know, where where you actually listen. Prisoners got a voice, you know, Um, because they didn't have a voice at one time. They just, you know, seen and not heard, you know. They were just... Warehouse. That was all we did with them, you know. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's it's amazing just hearing you've, you. It, it must be great for you to be able to reflect back and see, you know, that the, all those those positive changes have happened. Yeah, I mean, I can remember, I can remember when Tony Cameron was the was the chief executive. I remember us going to a senior management conference, and Tony did a. a it was always the kind of way the chief executive kind of opens the conference and he did a, I think it was a 10-year reflection of where we had been and where we had come. And it was really, really useful to to see that because you forget, because you're in the middle of it, things move and you think, well, nothing changes here, it's all the same, you know. But it changed significantly, you know. Um, and, and it became, maybe not as far as, People would like that they have gone, but it moved closer to um, caring for people and a and a secure environment rather than just locking up people. You know. Absolutely. Thank goodness for that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like you've. I'm just having a wee look to see. Um, you've covered so much, John. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Let hey. me just say, as a wee, a wee rider, while you're while you're reviewing what's what's going on there, um, I, I said to you when I left the prison service, I went to work with Council of Europe in Turkey mm-hmm. on, on a project they were doing, mm-hmm. and and honest to God, it was like stepping back twenty years. Oh really? Oh, it was. Oh, it was. You know, it really was. You know, um, just you think to yourself. Gosh, is that what we? I can remember when we used to do that. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was it was actually quite good from my from my learning to go and do that and think, good grief, we're not as bad an organ the organisation I've left wasn't as bad as I thought it was. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fascinating. I've I've worked in the. I know I'm not supposed to talk about me, but it's I can relate to it a wee bit. I've worked in the health service for. Ah. 20 years and yes. um, and I've I worked as an occupational therapist so and doing quite a lot of creative activities so that's mm-hmm. why I was quite keen to to talk to yourself but I worked uh-huh. in mental health and some of it has been in, in forensic as well so yes we, yes we got um quite a lot of the men who'd been in car stairs um doing life sentences and they mm-hmm. were coming out to rehabilitate into the community um, and just I can relate to quite a lot of what yes, you're saying yes, just about yes, how yes. you know how long they'd been in prison uh-huh. and how institutionalised uh-huh. they'd been, mm-hmm. and just trying to to reintegrate into the community and um, and they were they were a tiny minority I suppose of the people who were coming out they were able to get the support uh-huh. and get uh-huh. that uh-huh. Um, yeah yeah get the skills to be able to mm-hmm. live independently. Well, that, that's um, right. That's right. Unfortunately. I mean, we- these sort of I was going to say just Aye. just with it with a lot of things I think with funding and things um you know sometimes I think you can reflect back and see um you know where things were were done positively mm-hmm. and and unfortunately now because of funding these places don't exist anymore um but yeah I think so it sometimes it is it's really interesting just to reflect back and see you know what was happening, and and sometimes things kind of go full 
full circle, don't they? With well, yeah, they do. I mean, I mean, I would often say when we would try something new, you would say, um, but you know, we've tried something like this before. Why did we not stick at it? You know, just uh, uh, you know, and you think there's really nothing new. You're just rehashing some of the stuff that has happened before. I mean, what you try and do is as you as you go, and this is what I always try to do, as you moved around different parts of the organisation, there was good stuff going on everywhere. So you tried to pick up all the good stuff and take it with you to the next place you went, you know. Um, and that was one of the, the things I really liked about the prison service was that you were mobile. You moved around, it kept your, kept your interests, kept your challenges up. Um, and and sometimes it's good just to get a wee break from places that are hard going, you know. Um, yeah. And some places were pretty hard going, you know, for yeah. different reasons, you know. Yeah. But uh, but no, it was good. It's good to see to see how as an organisation it did develop, you know. Um, sometimes you think it's going back a wee bit, and then you think it's kind of picking up again. But you know, it's the old it's the old thing about you have to respond to the environment you're working in, you know. And, and the political environment drives it as well, you know. Um, depends what governments um, in charge depends on on how how they, they treat the prisoners, you know. Um, and as, as I keep saying, um, one of our biggest enemies was the tabloid press. I mean, I know they've got a job to do, but they completely misrepresent sometimes what you're trying to do. Other times they don't, you know, and they're right to, to highlight things that are going crazily wrong. But um, some of the things that people were trying to do and they were they were just absolutely and utterly rubbishing them and misrepresenting them. And of course the prison service reacts to that because they don't like they don't like bad publicity or to be seen to be um, molly coddling rapists and beasts, as they called them. And I mean, what terminology that was. I mean, they had this terminology that were beasts, and, you know, mm-hmm. they're terrible. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, they're all human beings, eh? They're but for the grace of God, as they say, you know. Absolutely. And unfortunately, that seems to be what the media does. Oh, yes, so. absolutely. Aye, aye, yeah. Sensationalise yeah. and... Aye, aye, that's right, that's right. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got through quite a bit. Um, John, mm-hmm. thank you so much. It's um, It's been really interesting. I hope it's helpful to you. I mean, it's as I say, it's a bit historical, but um, really I've been away for so long. But. I think you've, you've um, you know, just from your perspective and the, the time frame that you've worked within uh-huh. that and just, you know, seeing all the changes that have happened, um, you know, most of them fortunately have been really positive changes and it mm-hmm. sounds like the arts have really contributed and yeah. helped with that. So it's it's yeah, it's been really interesting. And I mean I know I know nowadays um that um you know like music and and, and such like I'm actually linked to education units. I mean education is now contracted out, it's colleges that do it. But they will they will they will bring people in to do that kind of guitar classes or you know something like that something to take take people's interest as well as doing the the, the basic education stuff that they're supposed to do you know so so yeah I think it has there's some things for the better and 
maybe some things not for the better, as they say. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to ask me about? No, I don't think so, no. No, I just, as I say, I just hope it has been of some little bit of use to you. Uh, and if it's not, it's not. I've got plenty of time to waste, so... Uh. No. <laughs> it's been very useful, very interesting for me chatting yeah. to you, John. So thank you very much.